0: down to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
1: It was the world's strangest accident. While testing a new rocket ship, our heroes were bombarded by mysterious cosmic rays from outer space. Though they crash-landed safely, the strange and powerful rays had changed each one of them transforming the host with the most into the plastic-skinned Mr. Fantastic! J.A. into a now-you-see-him-now-you-don't invisible man, and Chad Smith into a mighty muscle powerhouse called The Thing. Now, together with Kirby the Robot, uh, I mean, Kirby, the sound effect machine the newest member of the group they have become the greatest team of superheroes the world has ever known one new fantastic four
0: (laughs) yes here's the last comic shop i'm the host with the most andy larson thanks so much to our co-host j.a scott for gracing us with a rendition of the new Fantastic Four opening. That cartoon that was released in 1978, uh, written by Stan Lee. Jack Kirby actually did some of the designs for that show. So it was kind of like the first time that uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby had worked together on a project involving the Fantastic Four since they split ways way back in, in the late 60s. So that's really cool. And the reason why we're talking about that today Is because we're going to be reviewing a Fantastic Four book We're going to be re- reviewing the recently wrapped up series Fantastic Four Life Story Written by Mark Russell Who is our other co-host, Chad Smith uh, It's one of his favorite comic book writers So he's That's been right. uh, really excited to finally do another Mark Russell book on this show so... Your ever-loving
2: blue-eyed Chad has been pushing Mark Russell for a long time And then this is what I get
0: you had your pick up any Mark Russell book. Why this one, Chad? You said you wanted
2: a Marvel book. One of my requirements. And uh, I don't know how much Mark Russell's putting out for Marvel recently. He's he's a little bit all over the place. He's doing right now, uh, currently,
0: the One Star Squadron over at DC. He's got Deadbox coming out through Vault. Another one that just recently wrapped up, Not All Robots. That one's right? tons of
2: fun. Heck, he even has My Bad coming out from Ahoy. And so dude is all over the place and all these different companies but uh we needed a marvel
0: one so here we go it's actually the first marvel book we've covered here in 2021 i know we've been hitting dc very hard recently and again we've had some indie books but this is the first marvel book for this year so It'll be good to reconnect with our Marvel roots As you might know, I'm a huge fan of Marvels And I'm also a huge fan of the Fantastic Four So it was really nice to revisit some of my childhood heroes Uh, But one other thing we're going to revisit on today's program is a lot of our weekly polls As you may or may not know, uh, but hopefully you do Every Wednesday over at the Last Comic Shop At Last Comic Shop on Twitter Our co-host, J.A. Scott, is nice enough to put out a weekly poll for all of our fans to vote on. Traditionally, it has to do with the comic book we're reviewing that week. And periodically, we like to come on this show and recap the results. We just did this last week uh, because we hadn't done it in almost like two months. So uh, I thought it was going to be another opportunity to just kind of really catch up and get as many more done as we can this week. So, J.A., you've got five poll results for us on this week's show?
1: That is correct. We have five more poll results. So that should take us right up to the time that we recorded this podcast. So the first one is accepting that Christopher Reeve is the best. Who is the second best Superman actor?
0: This was about the time that we uh, reviewed... Superman, Son of Kal-El. So if you want to listen to that show. Uh, And what were the choices for
1: that poll, J.A.? Well, we had Henry Cavill, uh, Brandon Ralph, who was in uh, Superman Returns. Tom Welling who's the Superman from Smallville. And uh, George Reeves. Ah, from the adventures of superman
0: way yes. back in the 50s and i love lucy <laughs> there is that awesome i love lucy episode chad real quickly who did you vote for in this poll
2: i love lucy so, uh,
1: <laughs> i went with george reeves ah very good j.a who was your pick uh i went with the eventual winner henry cavill
0: Oh, Henry Cavill did win by a landslide. I th- I don't think it was close even,
1: right? No, no. Uh, Brandon Routh, Tom Welling, and George Reeves all got uh, between 10 and 20%, and Henry Cavill took it with over 56% of the vote. I thought Brandon Routh was good if he's an actor trying to be Christopher Reeve. <laughs> he wasn't really playing Superman. He was more playing Christopher Reeve playing Superman.
2: No, for me, unfortunately, Henry Cavill is the Andrew Garfield of Superman, where, like, I think he's a great actor it just doesn't have a lot to work with in his movies, though. <laughs>
0: oh, slamming all those Snyder fans. Oh, I, I voted for Brandon Routh, I won't lie. I, I really did enjoy him on all the Crisis of Infinite Earth stuff that they did on the CW shows where they brought him back as kind of like the quote unquote, kingdom come, elder statesman Superman. You know, I just thought that was stuff was neat. And again, to Chad's point, it's kind of redeemed him by giving him good material to work with. You got to see him as a, as a, as a pretty good actor. You know, Superman Returns had a lot of problems. I don't think it was actually him. But anyways, uh, what was
1: our second poll, J.A.? So this was in the midst of our big DC run. Uh, and this came out for when we were looking at Crisis, So if you had to remove one DC Universe character from the DC Universe forever, who would it be? Like, who doesn't belong in the DC Universe, or who could you live without in the DC Universe? Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, or Green Lantern? All right, Chad, who did you pick? Uh, This is a tough one, because how do you
2: pick who you could live without? So I'll say... Wonder Woman. Ah. Just because she should be an actual mythological thing all to herself. She should have been in my history books and my Edith Wharton mythologies. She doesn't belong in the DCU.
0: Yeah, I I actually went with Wonder Woman too, but for a different reason. I've often talked about if there's characters that you could move from DC into Marvel, who would they be? And I felt like uh, Wonder Woman would be a perfect addition to the Marvel universe. I think they could do a lot more with her because they really don't have a character like that in marvel it's like her and superman they just don't have characters that work as well they've they've been trying to do a little bit with captain marvel and trying to make her more of the wonder woman of the marvel universe but eh, it doesn't work as well i would like to see
1: wonder woman take the spotlight there so who was your pick ja well i went with the green lantern who was the eventual winner uh simply because i just don't uh, and somebody point me in the Direction of a good Green Lantern book that I can get into, because his power set is stupid, the whole Green Lantern core is stupid, the whole oh, idea of it is stupid. I, not gonna I, I It's a golden age comic where a kid finds a ring in a pack out of Cracker Jacks and becomes a superhero thing that, I don't know, I... I don't want to bag on it too much.
0: Um, <laughs> what well, if a lot of other people did bag on it? You said it was the winner of this poll. How how did it how much did it win by?
1: 35% to Green Lantern, 30% to Flash. I figure that is because Flash already kind of didn't exist a couple of times. They killed him off or they had different flashes step in. Wonder Woman got the least amount of votes. Everyone likes Wonder Woman. They want to see her around Superman, around 22. No Batman, because I think Batman would have skewed everything, because Batman essentially exists within his own universe anyways. Yes, DC. I am totally
0: on the same page with you on that. I'm so glad that you didn't put Batman on this poll, because I think he would have ran away with it. It wouldn't have been a poll. Because you're right. Batman exists in his own universe anyways. So well,
2: I would argue, at least publishing-wise, the DC universe exists in the Batman universe it's a subset of Batman as opposed to the other way around
0: there you go it was interesting though a lot of people came out with this poll saying like well who are we actually getting rid of like when you talk about Green Lantern like which actual Green Lantern are we getting rid of And I said all of them
1: yes all of them (laughs) all right so what was poll number three so this came out with Jimmy Olsen who is the best comic book journalist uh is it April O'Neil from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is it Ben Yurick? of daredevil and marvel fame is it iris west or uh the eventual winner This should go without saying uh lois lane who running with 46 percent of the vote so wow uh, that much, april, that much april o'neil and ben urich kind of split their vote iris west she got like three percent so one person probably thought she was good
0: oh no love for iris i know i voted for ben urich You know, he's part of Born Again. He's part of a lot of the Spider-Man good stories. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I've read more Ben Yorick stories that were really good versus Lois Lane stories. Chad, what did you think? While I agree that I've read more good Ben Yorick stories, nothing beats Lois Lane
2: with that whip-cracking 1940s-esque snappy dialogue. And anytime you can do Lois in that style, I'm for it. And so Lois got my vote
0: all right what was poll number
1: four ja best year that is a title of a film and, and this confusing. is with
0: 1984 right we reviewed 1984 yes. the comic book
1: adaptation of that uh, legendary novel on that week so what were the choices 2001 2012 1941 or 1917
0: I love the fact with this poll too that you named the, the director right after it so it was like just in case you didn't know who directed 1941 that was Steven Spielberg that was my vote because I really love John Belushi in that and they got the ad gun and like the ad- It's just a great movie and I needed to vote for something other than 2001. I knew that was going to run away with it, so yeah. I was I was standing up against how 9000. I was like,
2: pretty sure 2001's the only one of those I've seen all the way through, even though I may not have understood it.
1: <laughs> you didn't see that 2012. The duh. is that
0: the one with the ice wolves? No, that was day after tomorrow.
1: No, 2012, that's with John Cusack, where they fly around in the big Russian-slash-Ukrainian airplane. Is this the boombox? <laughs> I think
0: you lost me at Giant Airplane. I was surprised, though, that not a lot of people voted for 1917, because that's fairly recent. It's actually a really good movie. I think that there was a lot of people that said, like, hey, if you hadn't put 2001 on here, we would have voted for 1917. Oh, was that
2: it. the Andrew Garfield one? No. No. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: ah,
1: <laughs> Wrong war.
0: Anyways, last poll, JA. What was the last poll here?
1: Best Watchmen off Before Watchmen, Doomsday Clock, the Watchmen HBO series, or Rorschach?
0: You know what would have been great for this poll was like the Zack Snyder movie Watchmen. Because I think that's even a spin-off, because that doesn't even really follow the book. It does in some ways. What? And the end is completely different. Yeah, but everything else is totally the same. That's the movie that taught me that following
2: the comic book accurate script is not a way to make a good movie. It's like
0: that whole scene at the beginning of the movie where the Minutemen, they introduce all the Minutemen and uh, it's like to times they are a change by Bob Dylan. They just looped it so because they had to get through all the scenes. I'm just like... He didn't write a six-minute song. It was terrible. But anyways, what did win, J.A.?
1: Uh, the HBO series in a landslide, 75% of the vote.
0: Wow. I did not vote for that. I think I said publicly that, hey, I'm always going to go for comic books over comic book related media. So, like, I voted for Warshack because of the three comic books out there.
1: That was my favorite. What did you vote for, J.A.? I voted for the HBO series. I thought it was the most timely and the best written. I had only seen
2: one episode of the HBO series, but I voted for that because it was (laughs) not only informative, I didn't know about the Tulsa riots. Like I learned something and it was super intense and I fully intend to go back and watch the full show eventually. But that one affected me. So that one
0: wins. All right. Well, that is a wrap up of all of our polls. We didn't get to 5,000 kilometers per second, but that'll be on a future show. So make sure that you continue to tune into The Last Comic Shop as well as our Twitter page at Last Comic Shop for these weekly polls every Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, sometimes even Friday. Just be paying attention to our Twitter polls. We'll try to get them out there as close to Wednesday and new college book day as possible. But right after these messages we'll be right back with our review of Fantastic Four Life Story. We guarantee it will be fantastic.
2: Hello everyone. my name is Dominic and I want to tell you about the comic book report. It's my YouTube channel where I review, unbox, discuss all things comic collected editions. I review so you can get an idea of what to read. So stop on by and tune in to The Comic Book Report, only on YouTube. You can also find some of my promotional accounts on Instagram at The Comic Book Report and on Twitter at Comic Book RPT. I look forward to hearing from you. Until then, have a good one. i folks. This is Sean. This is for Nerd Podcast. If you enjoy genuine conversation from two guys who love the subjects that they're talking about, you need to check us out. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd on some of your favorite podcast catching apps. Or you can also check out our vlog on YouTube. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. We're really, really easy to find.
1: Okay, and we are back. It's time now for the Read Pile Review. And this week we are reviewing Fantastic Four Life story and chad who brought us this wonderful six issue well i don't know about wonderful who brought us this six issue run
2: (laughs) so it was written throughout by mark russell uh sean is uh did the majority of the art nolan woodward was color artist throughout and joe caramania did letters and then on issue four we had artists by francesco mana issue five was carlos mango and issue six we had artists by Z. Carlos and Angel
0: Unzetta. Okay, so uh, J.A. Scott has some feelings about this particular book this week, so we're going to let him kind of start with some of his feelings during the 10 cent synopsis so j.a what happens in fantastic four
1: life story now this kind of exists in a world of they've done this before with spider-man and we'll talk about that a little bit later but the idea of fantastic four life story is that you are getting the story of the fantastic four across the decades as if they had aged in real time, not aging comic book time. So it starts in the 60s when they get their powers and then each issue is essentially a decade. So issue 1 is the 60s, issue 2 is the 70s, issue 3 is the 80s, issue 4 is the 90s, issue 5 is the aughts, issue 6 brings you pretty much up to present day. The whole sort of overarching story, well, at least for the first 5 issues, is kind of like Galactus is coming and... The Fantastic Four need to get ready for Galactus to be coming. Galactus finally shows up in issue five, and then they realize that they still got another issue to put out, so they have to make Doctor Doom come back and be a bad guy for issue six, so there's another something to fight against. Uh, There's not a lot of action. It's just a lot of them getting ready for Galactus. That's essentially what it is. Namor comes in for a bit and steals Sue Richards away (laughs) from Reed. Uh, Franklin grows up, but... It's a six-issue run of Fantastic Four that has one issue's worth of action.
2: You do get a space punch.
1: (laughs) You do get a space punch, but no (laughs) Herbie the Robot. If you were into Herbie the Robot, sorry.
0: (laughs) Wow. Uh, So again, as I said, J.A. had some some real feelings about this week's book. Uh, I I didn't honestly think it was that bad. It's not the best Mark Russell book I've ever read. I, I will say that the hype around this... I think was a little bit more for me just because I had such a good experience with the last life story I read, which was Spider-Man's life story done by Chip Sardesky with art by Mark Bagley. Despite the fact that I thought they should have used different artists for different issues. I really enjoyed that because it really allowed Peter Parker to age from one decade to another. And I think that's why that series works better because Spider-Man is not a character that is allowed to age. He's not. So to see the actual character get into his 40s, his 50s, his 60s, all the way up to his 80s, that's something for Spider-Man. With the Fantastic Four, especially Reed and Sue, they actually already are aged up in comic books. They start off as being single people. They get married. They have kids. Those events in any sort of uh, fictional narrative, do age up characters. It happens in soap operas, it happens in comics. The moment people get married, have kids, they start moving on with their age and and, and their story. So like it's nothing new, plus the fact that this was already kind of sorta done in Fantastic Four Grand Design, right, Chad?
2: Well there are parts of it. And, and see this is where I really like the idea behind these life story books, where each book gets to be a decade And I I had a few more issues with Spider-Man Life Story than you did, Andy, where I just feel like they're dropping the ball in each of these things. Whether it was in Spider-Man Life Story, like Mark Bagley is a fantastic artist, but he's not someone that is good at showing the passage of time or different fashions or exploring how the world is changing. In this, I thought the only character that actually ages in this book is Franklin. Which, that poor guy was stuck in that four-and-a-half t-shirt for how many decades in real lifetime? But it's four issues in before Sue looks like she's aged a day. Reed Richards, and they... They had, do have that scene where they explain it via his powers. Yeah,
0: that was like my, I think my favorite segment of the entire series. With just this moment where like Reed is got to be like in his late fifties, early sixties. He's laying in bed. He wakes up. He's an old man, and he uses his stretching powers to basically turn himself back into the Reed Richards that we all know.
1: It's Reed Richards Botox.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought it was the most interesting use of Reed's real powers I'd seen in a comic book in, like, decades. I I can see that, and that part was neat,
2: but like I said, I was disappointed because it took less advantage of telling the story from each decade as much as it was just another Mark Russell thought experiment. Trust me, I'm a huge Mark Russell fan. Sometimes that really works. In here, I, I don't know that it did because in the changes that they made, A lot of the changes we had already seen Like in Grand Design, whenever Sue marries Namor And they take a lot of those what-if elements Here when it happens, like, oh, that would be really interesting If I didn't just see it a year ago Mm. And then uh, They end up neutering Reed's relationships And all the other things That would ground him to the other characters Like his relationship with Doctor Doom Is not what it should be His relationship with Ben Graham is not what it should be Yeah Uh, This is his take on Reed Richards as a well-intentioned bad guy, which is great. But we saw Brian Bendis do Reed Richards as a well-intentioned bad guy in the Ultimate Universe. Like We've seen it enough that it just didn't bring anything uh, exciting to the table, I guess.
1: And that's That's sort of the problem I had. I thought it was just overindulgence it's like if you didn't like the Zack Snyder Justice League and now you get six hours of the Zack Snyder Justice League maybe people have some issues with some of the changes they make like changes to Galactus changes to the Silver Surfer changed but my biggest takeaway is like okay those changes it's just This writer you know having his thing but all the exposition there is no action within i think reed richards he changes his face around and he reaches across the room to grab something off a shelf and that's like the extent that you see him use his fantastic power for six issues well, that's because in this book he's not Mister
2: Fantastic; he's Mister Fanatic. He just becomes a, a nutbag for
0: Galactus's cup. Yeah, and and one of the things I, I think I want to touch upon is 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 when you brought up his relationship with some of these characters. You're right; like I had a real big problem with him and Ben Grimm meeting right before they take off in the spaceship. But that really bothered me for some reason because. Even though they, they eventually got that dynamic of, of Reed and Ben, like, in you know, and Ben became what we consider traditional Ben. Without the backstory of them being college roommates and, you know, Ben sticking up for Reed in the face of doom, even before they got powers. Like, you lose track of, like, why Ben Grimm would give a shit about any of these people and why he wouldn't just like murder Reed the moment he became a grotesque monster. I recently watched the Fantastic Four movie that they originally released from Fox with my kid. And there's a couple things that that movie does right. And one of them is the fact that Michael Chiklis is sticking up for the Reed Richards character well before they ever get their powers. They're like, he's the heavy. He's like, don't mess with Reed or you gotta mess with me. Doom sees Ben as the unofficial bodyguard long before he becomes this rocky, hulking powerhouse. You need that. And you don't get that. (laughs) With that first whole issue, even though I loved this man, this monster stuff. And for a while there, I didn't know where that was going. Like, who's this scientist with the glasses? And I was like, oh, shit, they're doing... This man, this monster, and that's awesome. You'd have no reason for Ben to come back to the Fantastic Four other than he was a member of the Fantastic Four. Who cares? Yeah, he gets his moments, so though. Ben gets to
2: be a good guy. He gets to be the guy that, after everything crumbles, you know, comes back and like, hey, Reed, I'm moving in with you. And then becomes yeah. the roommate and like, oh, that was fun. And they get the moment where he's the pilot and finds out that they're bombing the children in the orphanages, and that's how he gets dishonorably discharged. Like Ben is is painted as the hero that we would want him to be beer and Sue. They do good things with Sue storm where she becomes that feminist where it, it happened off screen in the comics, you know, where Sue storm for the longest time wasn't allowed to do anything before eventually she became one of the most powerful members of the fantastic four here. It's a little bit more spelled out and, and forthright with her coming into her own. But, uh, Even things like Doctor Doom and their attempts to ground Doctor Doom, they make him less grandiose. They make him less fun. He becomes the embodiment of the guy that's smart enough to destroy everything and he's dumb enough to do it. Like, they never paint Doom as Reed's equal or, you know, any sort of intellectual force. He's just wrote bad guy (laughs) what i
1: hated about doom was after he was defeated in the end he's like okay you beat me so i'm just gonna put my doom bots on suicide patrol and they're gonna go out and blow up everything because if i can't have it no one can i was like when did doom become this petulant little child that wants to take his toys and go home yeah that's not a very doom-esque thing i think to go back to sort of the reed is the dick evil guy i mean they captured that in like one or two panels of that X-Men Fantastic Four crossover we did a while back where oh, yeah. Reed is like, so I'm just going to make it so that you can't remember this.
2: Right. And he's always well-intentioned in his evil deeds. But uh, yeah, the, Reed as a, a guy who's too focused to see what the right thing is, is not a new concept to play.
0: What I, I think my favorite parts of this, and there were some good parts to Chad's point. I, I like the fact and spoiler alert! They kill Human Torch like halfway through the book. Um, he doesn't get it even out of the 80s, which is kind of fitting for him because he's the reckless young one. And what reckless young people never got out of the 80s because they were <laughs> doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But he he gets that kind of moment where he gets to really be a hero, and it's a testament to Mark Russell's really good writing in that issue because he uses the analogy of the party guest. It's like you always want to be the one that leaves like an hour after the party starts because they're like, what's up with that guy? Why did he leave? You never want to be the guy that's stuck while people are still doing the dishes. And I was just like, yes, Mark Russell, even though this might've been an assignment for him, homework, whatever, there's still some moments of really good Mark Russell writing in this that really make you think there's another one where like Reed has, you know, beaten Galactus, but he's become basically a vegetable and he's living in his own mind. Mark Russell gives this quote, again, not only talks about people that are in that situation, but just people that are just, you know, suffer from anxiety or or, or anything like that. And it's, the mind is a prison too, a dungeon where the jailer forgot to lock the door. So we close it for him. And I just thought that was super deep. I don't even know why. Like it just, but it makes so much sense to me because again, as somebody that's that struggled with you know anxiety and things like that, and you get nut- caught in your own head, you're doing it yourself. You're closing the door. You're creating the own prison for you. Nobody locked you in there. It was yourself. It was just great stuff. When you get a Mark Russell book, that's what you get with the the cost of admission. And he
2: definitely has those moments where I I, I keep thinking like Jay is going to talk about the lack of action in this book. And that's a, definitely a valid point because there is no action in this book. But uh, that's not what this book, in theory, I think is here for. It's more those explorations. And I think Russell was trying to explore why do we need heroes? Is it the fact that heroes are saving humanity from itself? And like they're actually part of the problem? Or is it the world itself will never heal itself until it has something to help it rise up and overcome ended up being the, the mad Tinkerer's plan. Like that sort of social commentary, uh, all that stuff is in here and you get the thoughtful takes on the characters too. But I guess at the end of the day, my biggest issue isn't that there wasn't a lot of action. It was that there, there wasn't a lot of fun. Like the whole family aspect of the fantastic four is present, but not the warmth, not the stuff at the end of the day that you end up like you read a fantastic four book and, it's hard to find good ones. I'll be honest. There's, there's probably a handful of writers right now that I think have written good fantastic four, but at the end of a good fantastic four story, you have that thing where you just kind of sit back and smile and it's like, all right, things are going to be okay. Cause all these people are together and you just, I'd never got that sense
1: here. Yeah. I mean the whole devastation of a divorce or people moving out or separating is that they're moving away from that family unit and that warmth that they had. well, in this book, you never got that sense. You never got the warmth to begin with. So that when Sue Richards leaves for Namor, you're like, oh, that's just a thing. Yeah. And, and you see a little bit with Franklin, you know, being kind of angry at Dad and angry at Mom. But even that's a couple of panels. I again, I just felt it was long. There was a lot of exposition. And again, I thought plotting wise, I liked that sort of plot device where you have Galactus discovers the fantastic four at the beginning because of the cosmic ray thing that turns them into the fantastic four and then you just have galactus is coming as this kind of drumbeat powering the series along and i was like oh that's that's a really nice concept but then at the end it's like oh that only lasted five issues we got to do a six issue run so let's throw a dr doom story that doesn't really relate to it on at the end it was like they forgot that they had to do another issue and they misplotted out the the (laughs) storyline
2: i I don't think they forgot so much as they didn't really service dr doom well in the first five issues And they're like we have one of the greatest villains of all time we should do something
0: and that's the thing like i've said it on this show so many times dr doom is one of my favorite characters of all time and he was really given the short shrift out of anybody That equal but opposite, the fact that, like, through a certain lens, Dr. Doom isn't exactly as bad as you might think he is. He's definitely the hero of his own story. Right. And so, you know. He's a
2: complicated man.
0: Right. Go ahead and read Triumph and Torment, which I hope we cover when the Doctor Strange movie comes out. Like, in that book, Dr. Doom is a traditional hero. You don't get that here. You know, I think the most interesting thing about it Was his comments to Silver Surfer At one point where he's like I'll make a deal with Galactus To turn the earth into a grazing ground And I was just like, that's interesting Because that seems like a Doom thing to do And even Silver's like, yeah, a lot of people have come to me But that's actually an original idea I like that, and I was going to ask J.A. about that How big of a dick is Silver Surfer
1: in this And I'm sure that just You <laughs> It, uh, yeah, I didn't think they got the Silver Surfer character right at all. I liked how Galactus basically said, "Okay, I'm done with you. I'm gonna <laughs> give you the best thing I can do. You're dead," and he just turned him to human in space. <laughs> oh, poor Norrin Rad. Yeah, but what I did like, I mean, and that's is that he had been serving Galactus for like a millennia, right, or something like that. So basically, everyone he knew on Zen Law, was dead already. Which I think works better, too. Uh, The whole idea that Shala Ball was waiting for Noren Rad to always go back to her meant that Galactus, you know, only had Silver Surfer around for a little bit, or he gave her some of the cosmic power. I don't know. I like the idea that it takes longer for Galactus to move through areas of space. It makes space seem bigger. And as I said, that was my most favorite part of the book, was that setup where Galactus is coming, and you can see him coming, but he's a long way away, and it's taking a long time to get here. And they have, like, a countdown clock. A literal doomsday clock. Uh, and speaking of doomsday
0: clocks and countdown clocks, the countdown clock to our rating is officially on. So stay tuned right after these commercial breaks, as we'll be back with that and recommendations for all of our fans.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as distributor, Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, if you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking, also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, the St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over.
0: back with more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our ratings where we're always fantastic but was fantastic for life story up to snuff i don't know it's i anyways we got J. A. scott he always gives us a an interesting one out of four scale for these things i wonder if it's going to be fantastic Four members because there are four
1: of those but what's our rating scale for this week Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I actually had not thought of that one out of four Fantastic Four members. I almost want to do that, but I'm kind of married to my uh, Gail which I just came up with five minutes before you said that I was going to go decades because this is life story. So one out of four decades, how many decades is this worth? Do you spend four decades with the book? Do you want to spend three decades with the book? Do you want to spend less than a decade with the book?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we'll start off with uh, Chad Smith because technically this was his pick for this week and I don't know. if Is it going to be sacrilege for him to give Mark Russell a bad rating? We'll see. Chad, what do you think? Well, as I alluded
2: to earlier, there's so many other great Mark Russell stories out there. I love the Flintstones. I love Wonder Twins. There's there's better Mark Russell to be had. For me, this is more about the whole life story experiment. And to this point, between the Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four life stories, I don't know if either of them have been successful. This one dances in and out of some of the cultural touchstones. You get some of the mutual assured destruction in the eighties and you get the feminist movement in the seventies at the end of the day. I don't know if the fantastic four as a team or as a concept is one that works along a realistic time stream. Meaning like Reed Richards, his intellect is so immeasurable It it doesn't track whenever you place it in the real world like it just seems off and that's how i felt throughout this series i thought there were some fun ideas i thought it was neat early on They're like oh they're turning reed into you know this fanatic who's preparing for galactus i wonder how that's going to turn out but at the end of the day it lacked whatever it is that makes fantastic four worth being there in the first place so i'm going to give it a 2.5 decades i thought as far as comic books go they were they were fine comic books yeah it just didn't move me the way that it could have
0: all right ja how many decades you given it
1: as a thought experiment i don't think it works i you know it's i think lower level street level characters when you try to put them in sort of real day events seems to work better because Spider-Man existed in our, our world, he wouldn't have as much of an effect on geopolitical machinations. So you can kind of understand him growing up in New York and, and interacting with the changes in society. But, you know, not being able to prevent the Iran hostage situation where if you've got Superman, you're like, well, why didn't you just fly in and take them out? And I think that's always sort of the struggle that you get with some of these comic books if they are – trying to tie in too much real world history and and real world events uh, which is I think you know sort of what they got into with Watchmen where where they change world events because of the superheroes uh, as an explanation of that as I said I did like the idea of of Galactus taking time to come in and how Earth and Reed is kind of undone and, and powers the whole idea of him through the first five issues but Again, it it felt like it was just overindulgence on Marvel's part to tell a story that didn't necessarily need to be told. I mean, who is this written for? It's definitely not written for someone who's never read Fantastic Four before because they'll hate it. And they won't understand a lot of it. It, It's like when you watch a superhero movie that's written by people that never knew the source material. And you're like, wow, they got every character kind of wrong there where did that come from wow and maybe maybe now i come off as sounding like i'm just this bitter old guy get off my lawn type you know never touch my superheroes they're it's sacrilegious so i'm giving it two it's two decades dr doom was done a disservice why the mad tinker had to be so much i mean you know you've got dr doom just Write the story with Dr. Doom. Why do you have to have this whole mad ticker thing? And then, like, the whole plot device went back to the first issue where it's the head of Reed Richards who has the deactivation code. I was like, oh, of, of all the MacGuffins they could have come up with, I mean, that was worse than the ultimate nullifier. <laughs> Just
0: <laughs> Wow.
1: So I'm giving it a two.
0: You know what? If I was Mark Russell, I, I think a two would have been great from you. Cause I thought you were going way lower. I thought this was like a one or a well, 1.5. Yeah, actually.
1: You know what? You're right. It is. It's a
0: 1.5. Yeah, Shit. Yeah. All right. I should just yeah. keep my mouth shut. I'm sorry. I, I got a lower rating out of this. Anyways, I, 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 I can't give it lower than a two, honestly. And I think I'll go a little bit higher. I, I think I'll be around the same as maybe Chad. I'll give it a 2.5 decades. I, have read better fantastic four and maybe if i hadn't read fantastic four grand design by tom scioli which i think you should check out because it's only two issues and you can get it in a treasury edition which is awesome I think that this would have worked better for me because it would have been a little bit more of an original idea. But they've done this before. Whether it was this, whether it was Fantastic Four, Unstable Molecules. Like, there's been other retellings of the Fantastic Four origin story. I just think that, I mean, to Chad's point, like, they got some of the relationships wrong. They got some of the relationships right. Like, I really did like the Reed-Sue dynamic through this. I thought that was actually fairly dynamic throughout And eventually, as they get older and they've seen, you know, their lives pass and their kids have grown, they reconnect as a couple, which was nice. I actually like the fact that Franklin got to grow up. He's uh, married to a Wakandan hottie and he has nice kids. And I thought that was all cool. But, like, I had a real problem with Reed and Ben. And that's, like, for me, that's, like, the heart of the Fantastic Four is the Reed and Ben relationship. So, The moment like from the first issue, and they weren't pals to start with, I was like, "Ah, I think this is not going in the right direction. And it didn't get better from there. They took too long to to introduce Dr. Doom. He's not even until issue two. and I think it was a missed opportunity to chat. Um, Plus, plus you saw Dr. Doom's face the whole
1: time. What's up with that?
0: Yeah! How screwed up was that? I don't (laughs) want to be a purist. I'm not saying you can't do things original with the Fantastic Four. But this wasn't really even that original it was like pretty much eventually the same thing like that was a great thing issue by the way the 90s were the things like hey i'm into internet dating and stuff i was like that's cute i like that (laughs) uh but that was like nothing that you wouldn't see in a traditional fantastic four book i mean you want to see something that's truly different go read fantastic four unstable molecules that they don't even have powers in 2.5 decades (laughs) <laughs> well, one thing that we hope lasts through all of the decades to come is our recommendations. Yes, we're hoping, like, I don't know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people are coming back to The Last Comic Shop and saying, those were still really good books that The Last Comic Shop introduced me to on their show. So we'll start off this week with J.A. Scott. Uh, so, yeah, what are
1: you recommending this week, Jay? Well, my recommendation is a comic book that has lasted through the decades, has held up, is still great. And uh by this time it's been collected in various forms so you can find it out there in lots of different ways. Uh and that is the original Coming of Galactus story from The Fantastic Four, issues forty eight, forty nine, and fifty. You can get it in an epic collection called The Coming of Galactus, which combines issues thirty-three through fifty-one. So if you get that one, you also get the This Man, This Monster, which they alluded to in the Fantastic Four book we just read where Thing turns into a human and this guy takes over the Thing powers to try to kill Reed and then uh, decides that he's not going to kill Reed because Reed's a good guy and ends up saving him. Or if you have a comiXology account, you can get Marvel Masterworks 5 has issues 41 through 50, so you get all the coming of Galactus issues in that as well the epic collection i think still has the original coloring so i would say if you can find that it's probably better but again you get these original stories the original coming of galactus and uh, silver surfer as told by stan lee and jack kirby 100 more action 100 percent less exposition And sort of the golden age of the Fantastic Four, you know, they had. I think Kirby and Lee had really worked out how the group interacted, sort of their dynamics with each other, with the world around them. And it was one of the first times where the Fantastic Four really became sort of what the Avengers are in the MCU now. This. World-defending superhero group that doesn't just take on these little things like Mole Man here or that, but has to fight big cosmic battles.
0: Yeah. Plus, uh, in some of those issues, you get the first appearances of the Inhumans. So for those folks that want to see really good Inhumans, you should go check out the original stuff that was in the, that Fantastic Four run. But uh, speaking of Jack Kirby and awesome comic books, I'll go next with my recommendation. And that is the original eight issue run of OMAC. And again, it's one of those series that's like, like a lot of great Jack Kirby stories that kind of gets to a certain issue and just just ends. You know, like Devil Dinosaur gets to some issue and then just ends all of a sudden. New Gods just ends all of a sudden. Old Mac is no different. It ran for eight issues. And it was really an idea that started off with the notion of what would happen if you set Captain America into the future. It was something that Kirby wanted to do at Marvel, but he never realized. So he decided to do it at DC when he had a chance and, and really Uh, Omak's this guy named Buddy Blank who teams up with a satellite in space that gives him superhuman powers to help the Global Peace Agency defeat threats that in the 70s might have seemed like science fiction, but it is stuff we are dealing with now. If you want to read a story in which, like, in the first issue, Olmac breaks up a sex robot ring which is just like what you see nowadays with these guys buying these like living sex dolls that they get married to and all this other stuff. That's all it is. Second issue. He's like a a millionaire takes over a town and sets up to purge. (laughs) It's kind of weird. And then by issue five, you have criminal syndicate that's kidnapping young people to basically take their brains out of and put old people's brains in them instead. So it's like, basically human trafficking and it's drawn by Jack Kirby in kind of an intense style and you have people in bondage and like, they've got numbers and foreheads and people are like, I'll take him for $10,000. And you're like, my gosh, this is written in 1974, but like it, w- it was ahead of its time. And so if you have an opportunity, he's got a sweet Mohawk and an awesome name, one man army corps That's OMAC. And so, yeah, you should go and read that. Brother Eye is watching.
2: I will say OMAC has been on my list for a long time. I really have to make sure I check that out. But uh, for me, I'm going to go with something just a little bit more modern. It's actually a mini series that is currently on the shelves. Uh, it is The Thing in The Next Big Thing by Walter Mosley, Tom Riley, and Jordi Belair. And what you have instead of life story that was wrapped up in each of the different decades Instead, you get this timeless story of the thing where he and Alicia at one point in the story early on decide they're going to take a break. Uh, it's classic Ben Grimm, though, and he's off exploring the world. He has this new baddie named Mott, who is this weird demon looking thing who does the Indiana Jones bit where he pulls a guy's heart out, and shows it to him. The art style in the book is super almost Chris Somney. It's from that Alex Toth school. Very classic, clean style of illustration. But the miniseries so far has been tons of fun. As of the time we're recording this, we're four issues in. We've seen Thing go up against Hercules. We've seen Thing uh, get a new girlfriend. We've seen Thing in big boxing matches and going up against the champion of the universe. Four uh, has this really cool collage cover to it. And it's just all these different experiences. If you like Ben Grimm, if you enjoy the thing that makes the thing, the thing, I, I think this book really gets to the heart of that. And it's been just tons of fun. Ultimately, it's going to be a six issue mini series. I encourage you guys to head out to your local comic shops and check it out.
0: Yes. And we hope that you come back to the Last Comic Shop every single week for more of our awesome comic book reviews. And you can do that by rate reviewing and subscribing to any of that myriad of podcasting platforms that you can find us on every single week. And if you want a list of them, you can just go out to our website www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. We've got an entire list, and awesome, cool graphics that you can just click on and take you right there, as well as our link to YouTube. Make sure that you checking out our youtube regularly not only are all of our podcast episodes available on that platform but also we've got bonus videos reviews we do with independent creators that are doing you know projects through kickstarter or what have you sometimes we do unboxings of action figures and all kinds of stuff so yeah check us out www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com
2: and if you want to continue the conversation, you can also seek us out on the social medias, where on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Last Comic Show, where you can find our weekly polls. You can find daily comic book factoids and classic comic covers to tuck you in at night. And you can also find whatever it is we feel like talking about. Uh, if you need that, you can always head to our
1: website, where they can also find what Ja. Oh, we've got a link to our merch store where uh, you can get T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, tote bags. If you are uh, like me, maybe you get a T-shirt and then you keep it for about a decade, and by the after about ten or fifteen years, it's got that really nice soft quality of having been washed huh. right before it disintegrates.
0: Yeah, <laughs> JA is—he's famous. For you know, hanging on to t-shirts Well too long After most people would throw them away And that's when they get that sweet spot So they don't last very
1: long in that sweet spot But when they get there Oh baby
0: <laughs> And
2: while we might be the last comic shop podcast uh, We don't actually want to be the last comic shop So we encourage everybody to head out to comic shops Near you If you need help with that Use the comic shop locator www.comicshoplocator.com Or maybe you want to pick up today's book About Fantastic Four Life Story Maybe you want to go for that epic collection, the coming of Galactus with uh, that great Stan and Jack fantastic Four stuff, which that whole run, man, once they get going, they get going and they don't stop for a hundred issues. But, uh, and then there's OMAC also by Jack Kirby, or maybe you want to pick up the next big thing by Walter Mosley and Tom Riley, all of that and more waits for you at your local comic shop.
0: And again, we'll be back here at the last comic shop waiting for you next week until then I was the host with the most Eddie Larson I was joined by Jay Scott and Chad Smith and until next time stay safe stay sheltered and remember when you kill off your human torch in a Fantastic Four life story comic you should really replace him with a robot that has like a weird face hello Benjamin I am Herbie the Robot! What the hell was that? Who thought that was I don't care that they didn't have rights! It was a terrible idea! Oh, is there anybody that likes Herbie? Yeah,
1: I mean, he's a great car! (laughs) (laughs) He's quite the love bug! The last comic shop was... a 2022... Black Angus Production